Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Well, we are so happy today because we have Jarelle Oshodi here with us. Um, I happened to meet her actually a number of months ago um, through a, an app called Clubhouse, and I was so impressed. She has a phenomenal background privacy practitioner, has worked for amazing locations, including the CDC. Um, and I am not going to steal any more of your thunder <laughs> uh, because we always start out with um, asking you to tell us a little bit about you. So um, tell me a little bit about you today. Hi, thank you so much. Yes, um, I am Born and raised in New Orleans. I have two toddlers, um, my husband, my family, we all live in Atlanta and I am um, a government employee. I've been with the Department of Veteran Affairs, uh, the National Institutes of Health, uh, Department of Justice, uh, currently the CDC, all in uh, data governance compliance. Uh, and I'm licensed and barred in Georgia as well. Um, and I also do, I also provide privacy trainings for large corporations, uh, virtually workshops in person, consults, uh, just to keep them abreast, keep their employees abreast of global privacy laws, policies, procedures, and best practices. Love that, love that. Well. You're clearly not busy at all as you <laughs> have the two toddlers, the, the, the amazing career on top of doing um, some very entrepreneurial uh, work in, in the training space. Tell me a little bit about what is exciting to you about what's happening in privacy and in particular, like, are there anything, things that are happening right now that really get you like animated or, um, you know, um, worried or, or excited? So as I said, my background is government. And so I actually started with FOIA, um, Freedom of Information Act, uh, completing FOIA requests and privacy access requests. So I've been doing this or have been doing this since 2010. Um, and so now to see people um, in the private sector uh, caring about data subject requests, data access requests, and people reaching out to me to find out, found out about it, um, I'm sorry, to find out about it and are they doing the process properly and different things like that. That's kind of exciting to me because <clears throat> For a long time, I didn't feel as though my skill sets were transferable or whatever matter outside of the government. Um, so that's kind of exciting that I'm helping people in the private sector create their processes and procedures uh, when it comes to data subject rights and helping people um, get access to their data who didn't know that they could request 
certain things be erased or corrected uh, or just to be notified about what these companies have on them. So it's interesting. So you're in the you're in the in the in the health and research sector, and it was one one of the um, one of the most important parts about research. And I also come out of the the, the health research world as well. Um, is the ability to take research results and recreate them. But one of the difficulties is also being able to provide that kind of information in a way that doesn't put the original data subjects at, at risk. Um, how are we doing on that in terms of, you know, as a government agency, how are you, how are we doing as an industry in getting that better and being able to provide more of the raw data to prove out the science in a time when science is under attack? Um, it, but doing so in a way that doesn't put individuals uh, at, at greater risk. Are we making good progress? Well, first, I would like to say that as an employee of the C CDC, nothing that I say um, yeah. <laughs> is a reflection of the U.S. or the um, CDC or the Department of Health and only my um, thoughts alone. Um, but... <clears throat> As a best practice, we try to use uh, de-identified data, anonymous data, uh, and measures like that to make sure that no sensitive um, personal identified, no sensitive personal information or personal data um, is at risk. Um, also, we try our best to make use of, organizations try their best to make use of uh, data use agreements to make sure that we understand when you're sharing data with another organization that we're on the same page, making sure that they have the same um, technical, physical, or administrative controls in place that you do. Now, I know that one of the things that you're really passionate about is training. Why did you get so interested in training and why um, have you started going down the path of um, doing these engagements with larger corporations to uh, connect with their employees? Well, I, I'm, I'm an attorney and I'm not technical um, and I'm not a technologist. I, I do work closely. I love privacy engineers. They, they're the translators for us to the technologists. Um, but I like the proactive side of the house um, versus the re reacting and responding to data breaches and incidents. Um, I enjoy the training. And to be honest, I guess I was told that I was good at it. Um, I was able to deliver training in a way that people understood it. And it, I think it's because I'm not technical. So I'm able to speak the language of most of the um, employees. So I thought it was cool that uh, people enjoyed the training that I provided to them and they were able to use the cool mnemonics um, I created to help them remember privacy best practices that they wouldn't otherwise have recalled because the information may not be as interesting to them. <laughs> I gotta love it when you can speak human, because I think that's one of the things that's missing from so many parts of these professions is we get so lost in the technical and like knowing all of the rules and, and all of the acronyms. And boy, do we sometimes lose the audience if we do that. Yes, most definitely. 
<laughs> so are there any things that you particularly like to do in your trainings that you um, think are particularly effective? You mentioned that you use mnemonics to try to land messages. Is there anything else that you've learned through your experiences with training? Keep it short, keep bite-sized pieces, bite-sized topics, um, informing them exactly what we're gonna discuss um, so they know what to look forward to. Um, stating the subject, listing what the sub, <laughs> sub subjects will be, and then uh, connecting them, providing many knowledge checks, um, and applying those rules to their actual job, their position, their, the software that they actually use, um, not such broad hypotheticals. Um, actually discussing the personal um, data that they're utilizing um, in their working group. Um, those, those I find that people are most receptive to and they remember, it's hard to remember just generics. I, I know many times I've read a, a SOP or read something I'm supposed to do at work but unless I have on the job training, unless I have someone that's showing me how to do it as I'm learning, it's hard to really remember. We need to apply those things. So also having those uh, real life scenarios to help you work through, while you have someone who's an expertise, um, help you work through the process and how to problem solve and how to attack that scenario. What, what is making the most positive impact when it comes to training in, not in terms of style, but are there topic areas that are resonating with people these days um, when it comes to data protection and privacy? What's, what's, what's heading home with the people you are supporting and the, and the other communities that you're part of? From what I see, working from home with um, many people working from home now, um, home office, best practices, um, different trainings that, uh, that share privacy and security, best practices, um, where people see that security and privacy are, are different, but they do overlap. Um, I, and it's the small things. I'm laughing because I just did a training, uh, which something that I thought was a very simple training. And I simply explained never to, never to save any data locally while you're working from home. Um, and I stated how to, if you're unsure of how to encrypt, if you're using a certain software, you can, in the subject line, you can put brackets around the subject to encrypt it, to send it. Those were the two highlights of the training that people said they never knew. They never knew how to encrypt the email. And all this time, they didn't know that they weren't supposed to be saving. No one ever said that. So it, I think, it, I don't know if it was a something where management assumed that people, that this was common sense. Um, but for me, it's always the 
the little gems that I least expect that I get the most positive feedback from. Um, and it, it never ceases to amaze me because I spent so much time working on a great presentation and they never really <laughs> recognized the things that I thought were great about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it really is back to your point earlier, but it really is the little things, especially those of us with our heads deep into the field, forget that aren't in everybody's basic knowledge. It doesn't come by default, the idea that the encryption, yeah, that the that the uh, OME encryption is there, that it can be used that easily and when to use it. Um, so they, as, a, as a security officer, thank you for continuing to share those because uh, it's good way beyond just the, beyond the, um, uh, beyond the privacy world. Um, and, uh, you know, said, keep, keep doing it, keep finding the small tidbits. I really like that piece of advice. And I'm going to take that into some of my own training as well. Um, no, I, I still can't believe, I, I mean, and it's because it was just so recent. I was just like, what? I stayed up until midnight <laughs> perfecting so much about it. <laughs> but, but I really like the color you used in the background. <laughs> Yeah, people will you know, definitely focus on on things you don't expect. Yeah, right. And some of that is like as we continue to um, connect with our audiences, sometimes we find out things about the audience that we didn't expect, and then it's good to know and pass that along because it may be a common theme. Yes, that's true. I had um, I did a training where. Um, the, it was I was it was just for privacy day and um, to help remember best practices I use the mnemonic mind yours M I N D um, U R S so my, um, map your data implement privacy by design notify employees third parties and clients um, develop privacy operations so like privacy trainings data subject access rights things like that. Um, uh, understanding contracting, you know, making sure you have your data protection clauses um, and understanding the vendor due diligence requirements, uh, risk assessments, so like PIAs or DPIAs and um, security function collaboration. So I provided that mnemonic and after the training, uh, the company reached out and asked to license the mnemonic. I had never, and they asked about like, how much do I charge, would I charge to create a one pager and allow them to license the mnemonic to place on their internet page. Thought never crossed my mind. Apparently that's now an entirely new in income stream for me. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That, that's wonderful. And uh, yes, mine yours. I hope you don't mind. I'll type it up and share it in the show notes. Uh, yes. Copyright. Yes. Uh, it was it was a hit. Copyright it, you. Was, it was my most it was my most well received mnemonic. That's nice. great. Is that something you do a lot of? Is mnemonics? You mentioned it earlier too. I do. It's how I was successful in law school, um, mm -hmm. and it, it it worked for me. And I just continued uh, doing it. I, I love that we are continuing to you know bring in all of these different things that. Um, may not be standard fare, right, for how training has been done, because we all know that training has been tedious and difficult <laughs> along the way. And so as we bring in these new things that have worked for us in our personal lives, and we bring those like human touches, I think it really resonates differently with the people that we're trying to connect with. 
I'm glad you said that. The, um, something else that I recently um, put in place because of our short attention spans and just the, the new generation, I cannot believe I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was booted out of the Young Professionals Network. So the younger people- <laughs> Because you're no longer part of the Young Professionals Network. <laughs> Um, the TikTok style learning, um, short, our attention span is so short and the, these short, uh, 15 second to 30 second videos providing bite sizes of information, especially when you understand that it's where it's a series that we're about to discuss, uh, you know, and you understand how they work together. Uh, I found that you get, if you look at the video, the number of, uh, clicks, new clicks, uh, people who open those videos on, if you put it on your learning management system and look, or, you know, look at the internet page, you'll see the shorter vi videos get the most clicks. <laughs> so what people can I get through fastest? I have, they're, they're digestible. I mean, yeah. we are in a society that's run by the second rather than by the minute or the hour. But yes. So, so one 15 minute training will get won't get as many views but if you break it down into five three minute trainings you'll get tons of views tons of clicks which is interesting in your experience though is it is is the material getting through in the same way the whole corpus of material that needs to be covered getting through in the same way, knowing that you have to regain their attention 80 times versus 80 small videos versus let's say five longer ones. I th depending on the knowledge checks, I think if, if it's just those simple A, B, C, D, check the correct answer box, maybe not. Um, but if it's more um, interactive, drag and drop options, um, creating, putting them in the situation, as I said before, um, I think interactive knowledge checks are, are helpful um, in, that, in that space. But there's privacy training. That's why they call it privacy training and awareness. Um, you kind of have to constantly uh, find new ways to get through the people and people, whether it's, and it has to be in different medium, mediums, you know what I mean? Videos, um, pictures, one pagers, full trainings, live presentations, lunch and learns, <laughs> newsletters. <laughs> Gone to the days of popping everybody in a room in a lecture hall and saying, <laughs> I will be speaking now for the next two no, hours. No, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can't believe it, but we are like pretty much at the end of our time. And we always ask the same questions at the end of our time together, which is what's the best advice you've ever gotten from a mentor? The best advice I've ever gotten um, is never be afraid to make the ask. Um, the worst thing that they can do is say no. Um, and there's been so many opportunities uh, that I've, I've overthought, overanalyzed, and just so afraid to put myself out there. 
but you know, you, you don't make any baskets that you don't take. And so I have been so surprised, including you, how many people I just reach. I think all these people are so important, so busy, you know what I mean? And I reach out and ask, hi, do you mind providing a warm intro to this person? I think this person could really help, or I could really add value to this person or hi, I have a quick question about this opportunity. I am amazed at how many yeses I get. And, and as I always just realize the worst that they could do is say no. It just, it sets me up for success um, because I just, I, I'm living in abundance. I just feel like the world is my oyster. You know what I mean? What What's a no? What's one or two no's? Uh, it's just so insignificant to me now my mindset is just completely different and it just it just makes my goals my dreams and the life I want for my children that much more accessible because of all of these people all these mentors who are lifting as they climb with no problem I don't know where I got the the, the thought that they would be just too important for me or you know not want to help um, we, I created it, I guess, in my head, but that's been the best advice. And if I didn't have that advice, I would have never met you and built a relationship with you. You well, just I, gave me your phone number. I was like, OMG. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you have that approach and I'm glad that more and more people are getting that approach because you're right. It's absolutely, um, uh, the world is way more approachable. The weight world is way smaller uh, in that way oh, than definitely. it ever has been. That's yeah. great. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jarrell. Really appreciate it. Uh, Jarrell uh, Ashodi from uh, Deputy Chief Privacy Officer of the Centers for Disease Control um, and prolific mnemonic maker. Uh, thank you <laughs> so much for being here. And thanks to you, our listener and watcher for being here. Uh, we really appreciate you as well. And we really love your feedback. Uh, you can find us uh, at our website, mentorcore.biz. You can email us with your thoughts, feedback, and show ideas and, and guest ideas at info at mentorcore.biz. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter at mentor underscore core. Thanks again for being here, and we'll see you again on the next MentorCore.